OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Healthcare coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans is like an extra set of pads when you need them the most. We've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947 with Brett Bryan and Amy Wells. I am Mike Keith. Five games in the books. One more to go tonight. Tonight, Rams and Cardinals. Super Wild Card Weekend. Brett Bryan, did you enjoy Super Wild Card Weekend? From a couple of different perspectives, from just being able to sit back, watch, and see the other team scrap it out, 100%. Yes, really enjoyed that. And just to kind of see it unfold for whatever's going to happen with the Titans, which we now know. Amy Wells, did you watch all five games to this point? I did watch all five games. Um, I really enjoyed just kind of posting up on the couch and watching all the football unfold and knowing that none of it could hurt me because the Titans didn't play until the next week. It was great. (laughs) Well, here's what we know. The Titans will play on Saturday, Saturday at 3.30 Central against the Cincinnati Bengals as the seeds all hold in the AFC. One, the Titans have a bye. The four seed is Cincinnati. That game again, 3.30 Saturday Nissan Stadium, we're on the air with Titans Countdown at 2 Central. Rhett and Amy will have that for you. So let's take a look at Saturday's opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals, after going 2-14 in 2019 and then 4-11-1 in 2020. Cincinnati is 11-7 and this season under third-year coach Zach Taylor. They are, as I mentioned, the number four seed. They get here by beating the Raiders 26-19 in the first AFC wildcard game. Joe Burrow threw for 244 yards and two touchdowns. Jamar Chase, nine catches for 116 yards. Joe Mixon, 17 rushes for 48 yards. On defense, Jermaine Pratt had the interception that sealed the game on Las Vegas' final offensive play. Trey Hendrickson forced a fumble as he sacked Derek Carr. That set up a Cincinnati scoring opportunity. Overall, the Bengals sacked Carr three times. Evan McPherson made four field goals, the longest coming from 43 yards. Cincinnati, the AFC North champion for the first time since 2015. They won the division in week 17 with a 34-31 victory over Kansas City. And then in week 18, they rested 20 of 22 starters in the season finale at Cleveland. The Bengals lost that game 21 to 16, and that snapped a three-game winning streak. Over the course of the season, Cincinnati has been really good. They beat Kansas City. They beat Pittsburgh and Baltimore twice, but they also lost to Chicago and the New York Jets. So, Amy Wells, I start with you. You hear the background the resume overall of the Cincinnati Bengals, are they a big surprise? I think on paper, when you go through their resume, the success that they've had this year has been surprising. It's not very often you see teams go from 2-14, and 4-11-1, and 11 and 1, to all of a sudden being 11-7. and 7. That's a pretty substantial jump, and I think a lot of that is the Joe Burrow effect. Um, I think that as this 2021 season has gone on, 
we've seen a team kind of find their identity behind this quarterback, Joe Burrow. We've seen them really find how their offense clicks and what pieces parts fit in the right spot to really make them the most effective. And I think we all started to realize that this team was picking up smoke when they were they were beating the Ravens and then they beat the Steelers and then they beat them again. And then, you know, they start to get these wins and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, well, this might be an actual team. And they just kept going and kept going and kept grinding. And all along the way, we've seen Joe Burrow get better and better and more consistent and make more plays. And so I think on paper, yes, it's surprising. But if you've watched them all season long, you're not surprised that they're in the position that they're in right now. Mike, I agree with Amy. This team uh, throughout the season, you've noticed they kind of done some growing up together, including their head coach, Zach Taylor, who in their his postgame victory speech thanked owner Mike Brown for being patient with them. They have kind of acquiesced and learned how to do all this together. And Amy's right to see some of the the wins that they've notched. And they've done a lot of good things at home. And that's one of the big reasons why I think uh, they won the AFC North division for the first time since 2015. But they've kind of grown up together. But they have a lot of youth and a lot of important places. And Amy is also right about one thing. Joe Burrow, the catalyst to all of it. All right, Rhett, take us through the Cincinnati offensive breakdown, if you would, please. Yes, sir. The aforementioned Joe Burrow led the NFL by completing 70.4% of his passes. His passer rating, 108.3. Threw for 34 touchdowns, 15 of those coming from 30 yards or longer. He's backed up by journeyman Brandon Allen, who started the Week 18 game at Cleveland, who went uh, 15 of 29 for 136 yards and a touchdown while taking four quarterback sacks. Running back Joe Mixon made his first Pro Bowl coming back from an injury-plagued 2020 season with 1,205 yards rushing, 314 receiving yards, 16 total touchdowns. And his backup is the 240-pound veteran Samaj P. Ryan, who is used on third downs in many situations. 21-year-old wide receiver, And rookie Jamar Chase caught 81 passes for 1,455 yards, 13 touchdowns. Chase has five 100-yard receiving games, two games of 200 yards or more, including 266 against the Kansas City Chiefs on January 2nd. He was also named to the Pro Bowl. Oak Ridge native T. Higgins will turn 23 years old this week. He also had over 1,000 yards receiving on 74 catches with six touchdowns to go with that. The Bengals are the first team in NFL history with a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and two 1,000-yard receivers all under the age of 26. The Bengals also have veteran Tyler Boyd, wide receiver, who posted uh, 67 catches. Tight end C.J. Uzuma, he had 49 catches, nearly 500 yards and five touchdowns. Overall, Cincinnati averaged 362 yards per game, 103 rushing on the ground, 259 yards passing, a good red zone team. They scored 31 touchdowns in 52 trips inside opponents' 20-yard line, and the Bengals averaged 27 points per game. They're also one of the best teams in the NFL at scoring at the end of the first half, 63 points there, and also on the first drive of the second half, with 55 points. Their one Achilles heel, though, on offense, Mike, they've allowed 55 quarterback sacks. Amy, how good 
is this Bengals offense. Well, I think Rhett just gave you a lot of good numbers. And the thing about them that's so intriguing is not only that they're good right now, but they are set up to be good in the future with so much youth on this team. The sky's really the limit for this offense. But I mean, when you listen to Rhett go through kind of the, the thumbnail on this offense, you hear names like Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, you're watching the game and you think, oh my gosh, they play for the Bengals too. Oh my gosh, he plays for the Bengals too. It's all of these names that if you're playing on fantasy, you want all of these guys on your team and the Bengals have them in real life on their offense. So I think that they're are so many different options of things that this offense is able to do led by Joe Burrow, who is able to use them all just so expertly. Um, and he has just grown into that position of being that leader. These guys like playing for him. They like being around him. He's kind of a funny dude um, who, who has really kind of embraced kind of the, the position of being the quarterback for Cincinnati, but in his very own style so he's not trying to be someone that he's not. And I think that that has worked really well with a lot of potential star power on one offense. And they've drafted all those guys. Right. I mean, that's what the, what the key is. They have taken advantage of the fact that after Marvin Lewis left, they were bad. After, after being pretty good for a long stretch of time, as a matter of fact, with Marvin Lewis is the head coach. But they have drafted these guys, and in doing so, they have hit on all these draft picks. They have taken advantage of the fact that if you are bad, you get to pick high in every round, and they have gone and claimed Joe Burrow at number one overall in 2020, and then T. Higgins going at number 33 in 2020, Jamar Chase at number five in this year's draft. I mean, and on and on and on. They have done a good job picking players. And then Uzama, the tight end, was with them in 2015. He was a draft pick and has developed into a really good player. So all those draft picks and not having to go out and spend money on free agents, that enables you to build a great nucleus, which they have. So the question, Amy, is what about the Bengals' defense? Well, Mike, Cincinnati allowed their opponents just 22 points and 351 yards per game, 103 rushing and 248 passing. The Bengals gave up 32 touchdowns on 53 opponents' red zone trips. Opponents converted about 42% of their third down conversions, but the Bengals are excellent at stopping opponents on fourth down, allowing just seven successful conversions in 18 attempts. Like the Titans, the Bengals have 42 quarterback sacks led by Trey Hendrickson's 14 sacks. He had at least half a sack in 11 straight games this season. Hendrickson was a big free agent signing from the Saints where he had 13.5 sacks last season. Hendrickson didn't just get a new contract from the Bengals. He also made his first Pro Bowl in 2021. Now, Sam Hubbard might be even better at the opposite defensive end, as he is a superior run defender with 62 tackles and has 7.5 sacks himself. The Bengals have several talented interior defensive linemen, including former Browns Larry Ogunjobi. They sustained several defensive line injuries in Saturday's win over Las Vegas, Ogunjobi suffering a foot injury. 
Second-year linebacker Logan Wilson leads the team in both tackles with 98 and interceptions with four. The man who saved the game for Cincinnati on Sunday, Jermaine Pratt, is another versatile, high-intensity linebacker. And then in the secondary, reliable safeties Vaughn Bell and Jesse Bates are two of their defensive leading tacklers. Chidobia Woozy came over from Dallas and has played great at quarterback. Former Steeler Mike Hilton is one of the best nickelbacks in the National Football League. So let's talk, Rhett. The, the defense has been put together in a different way. They've gone and spent money there in free agency, and it feels like it's money well spent for Lou Anarumo's unit. Well, and one of the first moves they made in the offseason, Mike, was going and plucking away the aforementioned Mike Hilton, the former Steeler, who has a, a, had a very nice uh, year for them. And it's one of those veterans that you bring in to help kind of set a tone to go with a guy already is Sam Hubbard, who was a, you know, a draft pick of their own back in 2018 out of Ohio State. But yeah, they, they found some really nice players to put in all three levels. Um, the thing is, is Mike, they're, they're a little dinged up going into this matchup against the Titans, and especially at the defensive tackle spot. Larry Ogunjobi has a foot injury. Uh, Mike Daniels has a groin injury. Trey Hendrickson, as Amy mentioned, their leading sacker is in concussion protocol. We'll see how that entry report looks like later this week. But those guys have really done a nice job and certainly is one of the reasons why they got to 11 wins this year. All right, let's talk Cincinnati special teams. 13-year punter Kevin Huber is basically Cincinnati's Brett Kern. He's steady and great at pinning opponents inside the 20. The rookie kicker Evan McPherson has blasted nine field goals from 50 yards or longer after being drafted out of Florida. Their long snapper, Clark Harris, one of the league's best. Bengals return game, eh, unspectacular. They've used four different punt returners, seven different kickoff returners this season. Their coverage units, uh, average. Okay, a couple other notes. The Bengals were number one in the NFL in penalty yards. And I mean that in a good way, not the Raiders way. They averaged just 37 penalty yards per game, and they were hit with only four penalties on average per contest. Uh, really, really good in that area. Cincinnati's turnover ratio, zero. 21 turnovers, 21 takeaways, so that's a flat line, zero. Now, these two teams played on November 1st, 2020 in Cincinnati, and that weekend was not great for the Titans, except Amy Wells got engaged that weekend, but that's another story. <laughs> Friday was good, right, Amy? But Sunday, not so good. I had a great steak on Friday. I really did. I know you did. The Titans played poorly in a 31-20 to loss to the Bengals. Tennessee was especially bad on defense. Joe Burrow threw for 249 yards and two touchdowns. The Titans didn't sack Burrow. The Bengals rushed for 118 yards, and Joe Mixon didn't even play in that game. Cincinnati converted 10 of 15 third down attempts and their only fourth down attempt. Bengals kept the ball for nearly 36 minutes and scored touchdowns on four of their five red zone possessions. Now, this is this is really amazing. Tennessee gained 441 yards in that game, but taking out the final kneel down basically at the end, the Titans had only eight offensive possessions in this game. That meant that every missed opportunity was problematic. 
Stephen Goskowski missed a field goal. Ryan Tannehill was intercepted by Jesse Bates. Titans had to punt three times. Doesn't sound so bad, but when you only have the ball eight times, the math simply does not work. Derrick Henry, 18 carries for 112 yards. Titans gained 218 on the ground on just 29 rushes. Tannehill threw for 233 and two touchdowns, and yet the the Titans lose the ball game. A.J. Brown probably going to be motivated for this game. In the game last year on November 1st, he caught four passes for 24 yards. So, Amy, what do you remember about that day in Cincinnati from 14 and a half months ago as I read those numbers? Well, I remember it being cold. That's a sideline reporter thing to remember. But it was, like, abnormally cold. Um, I remember that there was a little bit of um, not panic. Panic seems like a lot in retrospect, but there was a little concern because you have to remember where the Titans were when they played the Bengals that game. They had started that season five and zero, lost to the Steelers at home in a close game, then went on the road, thinking the Bengals are a shoe in. The Bengals were a one win team. They had a win and they had a tie and that was it. And so they're thinking, ah, we'll get back on our feet against the Bengals. Everything will be fine. This is okay. And then the Titans get shocked and end up losing that game. Um, so there was a little bit of uh, alarm bells going off across the fan base. I remember because it, it was one of those games that Mike, you, I mean, you said it, there were missed opportunities Overall, not a terrible game by the Tennessee Titans, but opportunities that really mattered were not taken advantage of. And so people started to say, well, what's happening to this Titans team? That's what I remember about this game. Um, But I had the opportunity to talk to some guys, you know, just because we knew that some of these games could be coming up. And so you're talking about all the different possibilities and everything. And I had mentioned to someone you know, do you really look at a game that happened a year ago? I mean, there's been so much turnover on this Titans team. And he said, eh, yes and no. I mean, you look and see what they did. You look and see what we did. But they've had turnover. We've had turnover. They're both different teams. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen this week. I'm very excited. But, Rhett, it has to be advantageous to the Titans that, A, they have played against Joe Burrow. B, they have played against Zach Taylor and his offense. And C, they got to sit back and watch that this weekend. All of those are very valid points. And I'm sure uh, they'll pull out some tape from that that game uh, in November 1st of 2020 to reference in terms of Joe Burrow's uh, passing ability. The big thing that they didn't have back then is Jamar Chase. We talked about him, 1,455 yards uh, and all those touchdowns as a rook, and he is just throw it up and go get it. I mean, he's something else in this thing. Uh, The thing I remember about that game in 2020 is how they had a makeshift offensive line. I want to say Joe Burrow had already been sacked 30 or 40 times at that point and how the Titans defense was unable to get to him. No quarterback sacks that day. And I I think it's going to be a much different story because uh, you have Jeffrey Simmons, second team all pro now, just finishing up year three and leading this defense up front with um, Danico Autry, who had a great year to go with it. Harold Landry, who had a lights-out year. Bud Dupree is now back and healthy, and that allows Kevin Byard back there to do things the way he's been needing to do them and and get a first-team All-Pro selection. So I'm very much looking forward to Shane Bowen's defense. 
against this high-powered offense. That's one of the big, big matchups going into this. I'm very much looking forward to this game. Well, if you want an example, A, of what the Titans' defensive problems were in 2020, that game was it. Not able to get off the field on third down, not able to sack the quarterback. That's why they did all these things in the offseason to change it up. And so we'll see what are the differences in terms of how they approach this going against the Cincinnati Bengal team that's one of the youngest teams in the league and just doesn't care. They don't care. They're not scared. What do they have to be scared of? No, they have plenty of moxie. You're right. I mean, they've got they've got swagger and it starts with Joe Burrow. I mean, that guy, he's you know, you see his pictures of him sitting in the locker room and smoking cigars, you know, like he did at LSU after they won the national championship game. And that, it, it just kind of emanates from him. Um, they, yeah, I don't think they're scared of anything. All right, let's get some weekend playoff thoughts. San Francisco 23, Dallas 17. Rhett, Brian, you go first. Well, it's this simple. San Francisco 49ers came out like a ball of fire. I mean, Debo Samuel did Debo Samuel things. I mean, that guy, it's unbelievable what they've done with him at the running back position. And it was really out of kind of necessity as Elijah Mitchell, the rookie from Louisiana Lafayette, had some injury concerns throughout the year. And they immediately went right down through a dagger done they're seven to nothing and then you know here they go from there and you know Dak Prescott and this this Cowboys offense just never could get anything going uh I don't did C.D. Lamb ever end up with a catch in that game because I don't at, at one point deep into it he didn't even have one but uh if he did it wasn't much it wasn't even as close as what it appeared to me on the scoreboard did you enjoy this one Amy I did enjoy this one it it was a game that I enjoyed in the last probably three minutes because it it got really exciting there at the end. I mean, Dak Prescott's trying to do some of the things that we've seen him do before, which is just throw it up there, let someone go get it and score some points. And I mean, they were moving that ball for a while and it was getting really excited. And I there was a minute, a minute where I thought <laughs> Dallas is going to do this. They're going to come back and they're going to score and that's going to be the ball game and it's going to be a walk-off and Tony Romo's going to just fly out of the booth. I mean, this is going to be crazy. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, they couldn't get out of their own way. They couldn't They couldn't get the job done, and that's kind of the story for Dallas as of late. Yeah, for the last 20-something years. <laughs> Recent memory. <laughs> yeah, for, unfortunately for the Cowboys, I mean, it continues. Red, how good were Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the telecast? You know, I mean, they're the number one team for a reason uh, on CBS. And uh, the chemistry they've got together is really good anyway. I, I just the thing about Tony, he, he you could tell he was just feeling so much for, for his old team and wanting to get them over the top, and it just didn't happen. But uh, there's certainly, certainly a reason why they are the number one team for, for CBS on television. Good stuff. I love listening to them together. And in those final moments, I mean, I, you know, I thought their reaction to the last play was just perfect. They were kind of yeah. like everybody else. What just happened? Yeah. You know, yeah. why would they do that? Yeah, they bring a human element to it. And that's a perfect example. All right. So I want to know, Amy, how much of the Tampa Bay 31 to 15 went over Philly did you watch? 
I'll be honest, Mike. I didn't watch the entire game. I'm just going <laughs> to lay it out here for the OT people. I realized what was happening pretty early. And, uh, you know, I, I got some stuff done around the house. But I think we can all agree that Tom Brady is still good. Um, he's, he's still playing all right. And I was surprised he was in the game as long as he was. I kind of thought that once this one was fully in hand, that maybe Tom Brady would sit a couple out, but that is not the Tom Brady way. And uh, I mean, great game by Tampa Bay. They um, were dominant from the very beginning. There was really no question of who was in charge of that game at any point in time. Um, so yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. I'll be straight with the OT people. I'm not too proud. <laughs> I think it was the most predictable result of the entire weekend. Yeah. I agree with that. I watched part of it and I was like, this is just dull. And Troy Aikman sounded like he felt that way. And then he certainly sounded like he was disappointed. They weren't doing San Francisco and Dallas, Brad. He said it like three times. <laughs> he said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did not hide any disinterest in that whole deal. And and sadly for anybody who's an Eagles fan is Jalen Hurts never was able to get anything running with his legs. They weren't able to start working any RPO off of any of that. Tampa-based defense wasn't having any of that. And really, as a sidebar out of this, this will begin the conversation about the Philadelphia Eagles going forward. Because, Mike, they're the team that has three number one picks, picks 15, 16, and 19 in the first round of the 2022 draft. And you wonder, are they the ones that pull the trigger and make the the trade for Deshaun Watson uh, to upgrade at that position. Well, That's going to be a conversation of, of topic. Yeah, the only thing about that is, will Deshaun Watson be willing to go there and waive his no-trade clause? That is correct, because the only because, other part of that is, if that's what the Texans still want, they can get it from those guys. Yeah, but can you imagine how the press in Philadelphia is going to be about Deshaun Watson after what his situation has been. Yeah, it's uh, the only the only way it would be worse is if he went to New York. Yeah, that's the way I'll answer that. But yeah, that that game was very predictable. Tom Brady and crew just keep trucking right along, and so here they go into the divisional round. Here's what wasn't predictable: Buffalo forty-seven, New England seventeen. Red, can you ever remember? a playoff game that was supposed to be competitive, this just being such a landslide? I've never seen a playoff game with dominance the way this was. It's not just Mac Jones throwing two interceptions and them losing that battle. Buffalo had the equivalent of a Major League Baseball pitcher pitching a perfect game. I mean, they did everything right, everything I mean, what are they scoring the first seven possessions? They never punted. I mean, they just, no penalties. It was amazing. I've never seen another game like it. And on a level, uh, you know, of play where we have, you know, it's the wild card weekend. And I guess it was just a massive, massive do-over for them for what they had in, what was that, week 11 in that snow dome, snow globe game where, uh, you know, the Patriots just ran all over them for 222 yards on the ground and, you know, Mac Jones completes three passes and they win it. I, th I think they were just so over that they wanted to blow it out. And by George, they did it. I enjoyed it, Amy. I was a little disappointed that it wasn't more competitive just because on paper, these two teams seem pretty equally matched. They're, I mean, division rivals, so they know everything about each other. Like this is 
this could be like a real tit for tat game. It's freezing cold. It's like four degrees. Like this is playoff football. This could be phenomenal. And then Buffalo just came in and said, no, thank you. We're not interested in even entertaining the fact that New England is here. We're just going to win this game and let you guys go home. Like it was really that dominant from the very beginning. They played it like it was a homecoming game. Yeah, they played it like they had, like, New England was, like, Northeastern State. Like, yeah. don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it was wild. great. Okay, so Kansas City beats Pittsburgh 42-21, and, and it was a game for a while, and then Patrick Mahomes started going crazy. So now Kansas City will host Buffalo this coming Sunday. It – so let me ask you this, Amy. Is that a best-case scenario potentially for the Titans that these two teams – and we're not putting the card ahead of the horse, but if you're the Titans, don't you want these two teams to have a massive slugfest on Sunday? I want these two teams to just beat the ever-loving daylights out of each other. Like, I want them <laughs> to just – I want it to be dirty – and I want it to be one of those in the trenches games where everybody's covered in mud for no reason. Like this is the kind of game that I want to have. Like people are bleeding. Um, but really, I mean, <laughs> Buffalo, New England game, then having Buffalo have to go to Kansas City and potentially just dogfight for their life. I think that whoever is facing them after that going to get a pretty mangled team out of whoever wins. I think that that's going to be a game that's going to be woo, just so much fun to watch, but just an absolute monster to play. What do you think, Rhett? It's It should be a really, really entertaining game, and I'm uh, everything that Amy said about the physicality of it. Whoever comes to Nashville, I want them to be dinged up, beaten, battered, hundred percent. And let me tell the you know the amazing thing about that that game with them and, and Pittsburgh is here's the Chiefs did not have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think he was out with a shoulder, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And so here they have uh, Jarek McKinnon, the former Viking and 49er. They elevate from the practice squad, and he just absolutely takes over. Yes, Tyreek Hill does his things, and Patrick Mahomes slings it around the yard. Travis Kelsey's there. But Jarek McKinnon was a really big difference maker in this game and uh, had well over 100 yards from scrimmage. And uh, he will be an interesting uh, asset for them going forward. I like Buffalo's chances going into Arrowhead. I know that's a tough place to play, but if there's a team that can hang with them, Buffalo, I think, is one of those that can do it, provided that Tyler Bass doesn't have a, a problem putting it through the uprights if they need those kinds of things. All right, Cardinals against the Rams to see who gets to go to Tampa next weekend. Who you got, Rhett? I got the Los Angeles Rams. I don't have a great feeling about the Arizona Cardinals. They lost four out of their last five. And we know that DeAndre Hopkins had an MCL that he had to have surgically repaired back in the middle of December. There's no word as to whether he's coming back or not. We hear that J.J. Watt will be back for them on defense. But I think that uh, that Kyler Murray is really going to miss DeAndre Hopkins as, as a target. I know they have other weapons, but I just didn't like the way – they literally limped into the playoffs. And that's why I like – because it's a home game for the Rams, I think the, I think the Rams come out and take care of business. What do you think, Amy? I agree with Rhett. I think uh, the Rams are going to get this one all the way. I just, 
I don't see Kyler Murray and the whole Cardinals, especially Cardinals offense, kind of getting back to what they were at the beginning of the regular season. They really lost their way somewhere around the midpoint of the season and never really found that same mojo again. Um, We've seen the Rams go up and down as well, so I'm not saying that they are far and away the superior team here. But I think that the Rams find a way to get it done at home and uh, the Cardinals have some retoiling or whatever people say um, of the roster to do in this offseason. The OTP Daily is presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. You can plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for better coverage, better rates, and better customer service. They've been protecting Tennesseans for almost 75 years. Go to fbhp.com to learn more. Okay, so starting today, Monday, we, we have something that the Titans are trying to do to sort of kick off this week of playoff football and trying to help the American Red Cross in the process. The nation's blood supply is at its largest deficit in over a decade. The American Red Cross has declared a national blood crisis. So the Titans have decided to not only host a blood drive at Nissan Stadium on Tuesday, but to also use our platform to help promote blood donation by sponsoring drives across Middle Tennessee And quite frankly, wherever you're listening to the OTP, wherever you're listening, we want Titans fans anywhere to sign up to donate blood at any location near you. Go to redcrossblood.org slash donate and just type in your zip code. Wherever you're listening to the OTP, you can find a blood drive and go give blood, Amy. Here's a way you can make a difference as a Titans fan in the lead up to the divisional weekend. Absolutely. Um, The Titans all season, it's not a secret, have been putting a huge emphasis on serving their community. And the nice thing about Titans Nation and the way that it's growing right now is that that's not just Middle Tennessee specific anymore. Titans Nation is all over the place. We are all over the United States, all over the Mid-South, all over the world, there are Titans fans. And so to be able to all do something together and get out and make such an impact in something so easy as donating blood. I mean, you literally sit down the whole time. Like, this is what you do. (laughs) So (laughs) let's all get together, band together, do something awesome, help save people's lives by sitting in a chair. So just like Mike said, head over to redcrossblood.org slash donate. And you really just type in your zip code. I've done it before. It's the easiest thing you could do. You can organize them by closest to the location where you are Googling from. So I just organized it, found the closest spot. It was a church. I went down the road, donated blood. It was very easy. So yes, there's going to be one at Nissan Stadium on Tuesday. If you're already signed up to do that, I know that Mike Keith is going to be donating there. I'm signed up. Mike nice. Keith is doing it. But Even if you can't get out to the stadium sometime this week, in honor of the Titans being in the playoffs and what an awesome time this is, let's all just go out and donate blood wherever we can. Um, It will really, truly make a huge impact. And uh, that that blood drive, the particular one at Nissan Stadium for all the OT people, that's Tuesday from noon to six in the club section. And there will be Titans giveaways throughout the day, including 
you can sign up to win an A.J. Brown autographed helmet. I know that is one of the items they're giving away. And the important thing about going to the website to sign up ahead of time and register, that's redcrossblood.org slash donate. It's because there's not a, a lot of uh, walk-up availability in a lot of cases because uh, the Red Cross is staffing issues and things with pandemic and all those things in mind. So please do that. Go to the website and sign up. That way you can get registered, get you a time uh, and an appointment there to make sure that you get that hap uh, to happen on that so you can donate blood. That is an important part of this to make sure that you can make your donation of blood uh, instead of just trying to walk up and do it. And maybe in other places throughout these next three or four days, you can go to a place near you if you can't make it to Nissan Stadium, but it's a fantastic effort. Redcrossblood.org slash donate. Type in your zip code and give blood this week as we try to help the American Red Cross as we get ready for divisional football, AFC divisional round football, the Elite Eight this weekend, 3.30 Central Time kickoff, Cincinnati and Tennessee at Nissan Stadium. Amy Wells and Rhett Bryan with Titans Countdown on Titans Radio beginning at 2 Central Time. So for Amy and Rhett, I'm Mike Keith. Thanks for joining us for the OTP Day. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.